1: I'm Samuel Mann. I'm not in Sawyer's Bay Dunedin today. I am at Piwaka Waka Farm near Whanganui. And I'm joined by Julie Crocker. Kia ora, Julie.
0: Kia ora, Sam. Great to be here. Excited.
1: So, Julie, you'll have to tell us where we are.
0: (laughs) We are at the home of the learning environment. A 68 hectare piece of um, which me and a group of um, our Cultivating into a le- all different kinds of learning is possible. And we have lots of amazing different uh, landscapes in the Aeration and Learning. We're currently sitting in the native nursery, uh, which is very recently built, and we're very excited about it. It now has four walls and a roof and doors um, to keep the birds out, and we're sitting amongst a whole lot of uh, native New Zealand trees that we have grown from seed and that we have planted uh 18,000 in the region this, this winter, including 5,000 along the stream that we care for, which flows into Te Awatipua. Um The Tauraroa stream is the, the stream that's on the property that we look after. And um, it's all for learning. It's all for, for regenerating this place and regenerating the community, the Wanganui. So um, we're developing it as a resource for, um, for learning for the Wanganui. And that's where we are.
1: So we started this show in lockdown, so we've started asking people how their bubble life was. I know that's turned into history, but we're asking anyway because people <laughs> had such different experiences. How was your bubble life?
0: <laughs> well, I the initial first lockdown, I was incredibly relieved because my OP postgraduate um, <laughs> thesis was due in a few weeks um, um, after the first lockdown was announced peacocks I'm in the middle of a podcast Um, and so that was a great relief to be able to spend every waking hour on my thesis writing my thesis and completing that and there's no way that I would have completed it without the lockdown (laughs) so I was living on Waiheke Island at the time um, in a house with three others three very close friends, um, so I was incredibly grateful and lucky for that experience in a, in a lovely house where I was able to go running down to the beach and swimming most days, even though technically that wasn't allowed, but stuff those rules, um, and writing my thesis. It was um, pleasurable in some ways and, and gruelling in others.
1: What was your thesis on?
0: <laughs> um, my, I was doing the Leadership for Change program, and uh, the postgrad diploma in professional practice and it started off as being a sort of a uh, me moving into facilitation and developing facilitation muscle and, and that skill and it it changed and transformed and moved into the final piece was about embodied learning and how was I able to facilitate people through dance to live a more embodied life because i um dance is a real passion of mine i've been a dancer for most of my life, and i have um I was mostly partner dancing my whole life, and that was real um just a total bliss space for me I got so much um so much soothing i guess um, from that particular hobby and it it just brought together so much of the things that I love, like intimacy and um, the power of music and the power of, of synchronicity in terms of rhythm and synchrony, just moving with another person and yourself, connected to the floor, connected to the music, um, in rhythm. It was it's just the most um, transcendental feeling and a totally embodied experience I f- I found. And so um, once. Partner dancing became less and less available because not many friends were really into partner dancing and it was sort of more like a, um, you know, not my age group kind of thing. And I found that I was having to choose partner dancing activities rather than doing things with people my age and friends, (laughs) which is not always the case around the world. I think lots of people around the world are part of very thriving um, partner dance communities, but it's not quite the case in New Zealand. Um, I became more interested in, in moving my own body and the pleasure that, that was found in that space and connecting with the music and other people around and sort of more conscious um, five rhythm type dance floors. Um, and then that led me through to being interested in facilitating that experience. And, uh, and then I've then, through my um, OP uh, thesis, I then moved on to be studying dancement therapy, admin therapist. Now,
1: let's take the first of your musics. Let's have Open the Doors. It would be good if we weren't sitting back. What is that last word? <laughs> to your mind. Let's go for mine. Open the Doors to your mind <laughs> by my baby. Why this one? Um, it's
0: To me, it is just so um, gentle and I love the message and I use it quite a lot in some of my, in some of my therapy sessions. It's like a calming um Enjoy I love the one's voice and um, the rhythm of the song. Quite simple. I moved from Waiheke Island to Whanganui uh, in March 2021. So that's almost two years that I've been here. Yeah, and I moved down here for this project specifically. I was one of the last of seven to move down here um, and I'm loving it.
1: Has it changed much in those? In that year and a half uh
0: do you know i'm not sure i've I suppose I have seen some change because of the people that have moved here and um the kind of the vibrancy that the town is taking on i think and and also the projects that that we have been involved in and kind of seeing the I, I was here um one of the uh projects that I helped to set up last year was the Wanganui Kai hub because i've i've been involved in food rescue for about the last decade of my life and have have um, Always seemed to be involved in it, and wherever I am. When I was a student in Wellington, as a volunteer, and then I moved to Auckland and, became, and worked for Kiwi Harvest, which was as they were setting up, which was an experience. And then on Waiheke, I worked for Kai Conscious, uh, which was the weekly meal that came from um, food rescue from the supermarket, and so that's been a big part of my life. And so I used those kind of that skill and expertise and experience to come down here and help, be part of the team. Um, in setting up the Whanganui Kai Hub, and through those connections and through the learning environment and um, through a bunch of other kind of weaving weaving relationships, um, I've definitely seen the sort of collaborative energy, I think, changing here, which is, uh, it's just so cool to be making more connections and realising we heard that this was a town where there wasn't a whole collaboration historically, and I... Maybe it's just our experience, but I'm definitely feeling like there's lots of ties coming together. And um, I've also heard from a lot of people that we know here who have been here for a longer time that only in the last three years, three or four years, it feels like Wanganui has really taken a huge shift into, into something more up um, uplifting and exciting and that there's possibilities opening. There's a whole different kind of mood and energy to the
1: town. So that's what So you gave us a bit of a talk at the start about what the learning environment is. I wonder if the question is, why is? (laughs) (laughs) Why
0: is? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It's a response. It's a response... uh, you know, attempting to be the most meaningful response that we can come up with, um, with the people that that have have formed to create this response um, who are driven by similar values and passions and, and a need for change in the trajectory of where the world is going um, and just needing and wanting things to be better and um, really having like a kind of... Being fed up and sick, sick of seeing the systems um, be in a locked space all around us, and um, the lives of people that are being affected by those um, twisted systems that sort of aren't, aren't still serving us if they, you know, if they ever did. <laughs> um, no, that's maybe a little bit harsh, <laughs> but it's a response to that to say we can do things different, and and how can we learn from it? Um, life around us to create an organisation that, that is in response to that and constantly learning and so empowering people to learn what they need to learn um, in order to thrive in their lives.
1: So it's not in response to any one thing. It's not in response to climate change or or, or any social justice or anything. It's a response to that whole system of those things.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's... Um, Life is just so intertwined and so interconnected that that you know our health system is so interlinked with our education system, and our education system is so tied up with our financial system, and all of that is connected to 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 the wider envir- natural world that we live in, environment and like to. There's no way of separating. So that's why this whole project is a response to all those things, and to, I guess, to the the lack of the way that the world enacts its interconnection like we're kind of uh, cruising around um acting like like there's silos and acting like it's not all connected and so we're a big part of what we're trying to do is to um, to live out the relationships and being and the connections and being and to support other people to see those interconnections and to feel part of that and that's why this project is so multifaceted. And even though there we are biting off like way more than we can chew <laughs> with this dream, um, it's why we have a native nursery and, and, and provide eco-services for the region, which is already an enormous undertaking in a whole you know, full-time job times plus plus on its own. But it's why we also have a, <laughs> a, a marakai, a food garden. Um, it's why we run education so that we can bring more and more people in. It's why we run pest control and weed control, and um, it's why we have a health and um, a, a well-being focus. Um, it's why we have equitable community values at, at heart. It's all of these things that are so connected, that, and, and the way that we see the health of the land being so connected to the health of the people and the health of the people being so connected to the land.
1: It's one thing to have those ideas. It's quite another thing to, as you say, Live out those connections mm-hmm. can you describe for me that moment of realizing that yep this is what we're going to do in particular, this is what i'm going to do
0: mm. oh that's a great question you know I think being being in the company of people um, of the folks, my dear friends um, who we've been on this on this sort of Journey towards this dream and and where we are right now, I think being around those folks that are all brilliant in their own rights and um they have they have a vision and they have a passion and they and because of the, that sort of collective power of of understanding and hope um and sort of perseverance and like gumption or something you know that that's like actually no this is this is not how I want to just continue the status quo. And I think that has been so emboldening for me to to very much have those that same desire, that same passion. And I think I know so many people that that share that that dream and that vision as well. It's like, no, I don't like that the, this is going. I want change. Um, yeah, I think it's been about being around those people and having that feeling nurtured so much and not let go of and... Um, and, yeah, we've worked really hard for it, and amazing things have happened.
1: People are people are invested in their profession, in their professional identity. Mm. Are the people that are on this journey with you, are they giving up that professional identity, or is it changing or is it adding to it? How, how's it working?
0: Mm. I think it's very much adding to it, uh, or changing as well. Um I mean, I speak from the most fortunate place that that um, you know I'm, I've, that I've landed as as being part of this amazing team. Um, but I think we are able to create this place as a as a playground for us to live out our most um, you know our most enriched selves in terms of our professions that we all bring to this, and the way that those can take shape from this place they you know the place and the vision is infor- in a way informing how it is that we are becoming um people teachers leaders in the space um and you know it's kind of like a container which we've always designed, you know, had, had the idea that that was the design, was a container for learning to happen. And so it just feels like it's a holding place. And that's what, that's what we hope for others who enter this space as well as learners, to feel that sense that, that this is a place for learning and it's a place for playing and it's a place for you being being who you want to be and your, your sort of best self um, because although the container is there, there's lots of space to, to find that and to... Um, to allow the the, the the place to shape.
1: Is the learning, is that fundamental to what you're doing? Because you, you could be doing a similar sort of work and describing it around regeneration or something as a key word, but you, you keep mm. coming back to learning being the key. Mm.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's I think that is the the underpinning fully of what it is that we're doing and and we're completely humbled I think in this experience to to know it as a learning journey that we are I think that's one of our greatest strengths is that we've realized that or like we wouldn't have got to this point without constantly realizing that we're learning along the way and that that is the you know, to be cliche about it, that that is the journey. You know, that, that the um, we're on this this path of constant learning, and that's how life is. You know, it's constantly learning from its from its um, you know constraints and environments and what it's connected to and what you know. So that's how we are acting. That's how this organization is acting is by learning what works. What are the edges? What are the bound? And that's also very much all the spaces that we're creating here is for people to learn in. And so although we're creating different spaces like the nursery and like the garden, like the orchard, like the stream restoration, all of those spaces, um, you know, you could see them very much as primarily being learning spaces. So to bring schools in, to bring community workshops in, to bring people who are not having the best time in life to be able to just be in a place um, and 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 learn from that experience of being there and being in a group, being place-based, being relational, in a, in a relational experience and being in an embodied experience on the land um, is all what we see as being the richness of, of learning.
1: But if you were going to be setting up something with learning in mind, you could have, and perhaps most people would have, opened up a dance studio and be done with it. <laughs> You're going about creating a learning environment the hard way.:
0: <laughs> Well, I mean, it also feels like we're going about it in like a divert, in a way that's like very diverse and rich and full, so that many people feel welcome in different learning spaces. Some people are really drawn to the, to the garden, and that's the place that, that's what they want to learn about is food and flowers and, and soil and the interactions there. Um, and others really want to learn about building and how do they create shelter? How do they create a system where they can capture water and um, be self-sufficient in that way? Other people want to learn about getting, you know, the birds back to their valley and their place and their finua, and, and that's where the, the nursery comes in or, um, you know, there's bees on the farm, there's forests regenerating. Like there's all of these different spaces where where people can kind of choose their, their learning journey and um, it'll look different to everyone that, that visits here.
1: You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Julie Crocker and a particularly persistent peacock. <laughs> Julie, we, you've talked about the, the plan and what you've done so far and the, and the, the learning environment. What's the, what's the long-term vision? What, what do you want to see here?
0: Oh, exciting. Thanks for the question, Sam. Uh, long-term vision... Um, is to have. So we're situated in, in a place that is, we're hugged by the, the lands around us. Um, in those hills up there, the, there's many dreams to have cabins and places that, and tracks and access ways and people can stay overnight um, for, for weeks at a time, even like a sort of. We dream of like a dock hut situation with lots of different tracks and people can go to be in the thick of the natural world. Um, we. Imagine a beautiful health and well-being centre somewhere somewhere situated on the land as well, where people can have really holistic um, support in for their health, whatever that looks like. Um, so Sam is our clinical psychologist on the team, and he's super excited about leading that project. And I'm um, in that space as the holistic. Um, well-being space as a dance movement therapist so that I, I'm very excited for that I can just imagine that the the feeling of that place um, and then a dance floor I haven't quite decided where but a big beautiful like octagon with a veranda like <laughs> um, dance floor somewhere and food forests all around the the back of the orchard and up different uphills and um, signposts in various places and you know, a, a place where people can come for, sort of for tours and there's also been dreams of like a restaurant, visitor centre type, um, yummy, luscious place at the front um, along the road there. That would be close to there. Um, and basically just a thriving hub of activity where there's um, sort of regenerative practices happening in all different um, directions and people learning in all different directions and interesting, diverse things being accentuated, I guess, in the natural world um, all around. So a place that's very rich in textures and smells and sounds and feeling and, yeah, a place you want to be.
1: (laughs) And perhaps an interesting twist on this kind of development is that you're not the groups not primarily living here? Yeah. you're living in, in in town and sort of treating this as as work. Is, that, yeah. is how did that separation come about?
0: Yeah, it happened um, from the original original plan. There was this uh, excitement about having permanent um, uh, living sort of nooks on the land um, for I guess some of us that were stewarding this project long term. And then very soon after that initial thought, it kind of branched off to be like, hang on, no, living on the land is not fitting with the Kopapa, because the trust, having no money, needed to have um, philanthropic input through a private crowdfunding campaign. And there was just no way that that felt right to be like, cool. Thank you for you know this money that you've invested into this this learning environment that we are wanting to invite the whole community to, and to make that community feel really welcome, like it's their place. Um, and that just would would be incongruent with people living here full time um, and sort of feeling like a, like a some sort of sense of ownership of this land. So those things are completely incongruent, and we decided that was not a good idea. And it's been just one of the best things i think because we sure we come here and there's an element of a big element of work because we work really hard to make this place um you know to work towards the vision but it's also a playground we also play here very much and we um you know, we we feel so blessed to be um, doing the work that we're doing and to be inviting the people that are drawn to this place and the the relationship we're starting to form. So it definitely feels like a, a nurturing playground as well. And it just offers a separation. Of, like, we have our own lives in our houses um, in town, and we live that life. And then we also come out here very often. We, we're caretakers of this place, but with much less kind of... Um, muddying of the the sort of steward ownership waters it's kept really nice and clean which is which so many people have been surprised by and that's one of the most frequent questions is oh how many of you live out there and and it's which is interesting because I think lots of people associate this sort of project with the with a community living on land and even though you know that's beautiful I think there's also a real beauty and like um point of interest in this in this situation where. We invest so much love and time effort into this, we don't live here, and that's a beautiful separation to be celebrated.
1: And you've talked about how your own work and, and Sam's work, while those practices are carrying on off-site, you also do have a longer-term vision to bring those here?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yep. So uh, a really big part of this project is is not only the regenerative, um, the, the permaculture, the the... Um, regenerative practices of how do we do this life differently and not using so much of, um, of you know, not being so resource intensive and um, destructive to the earth that we, you know, our self sustaining life support system. Um, not only is that a focus, but very much hand in hand and in hand with holistic well being. And um, Sam, as well as Dave, they, they're the two that sort of were, were lost in the dock hut overnight together that really came together as friends with these two passions and had these very first initial discussions of like these two things are so connected and we both have this fiery passion about them and we must be able to bring them together. Um, so that has been a, a, you know, a core part of the Vince the, since Day Dot. Um, and it makes so much sense because... Like I was saying before, there's such a connection between the health of people and the health of, of place and the health of land. And, um, you know, I think that's a major place that we're, we're missing the point a little bit sometimes is like that is a place of healing. That is a place of, of nurturing and nourishment of, of us returning to understanding what is most important and what is valuable to us. And how do we get, you know, our bodies come from this earth. Our, you know, the earth is our wider body. And that's a big part, I think, of why we are feeling so much um, individual as well as collective societal pain and confusion and illnesses and all of these things. Um, I mean, I really think capitalism is the root of all evil, just to say, say, say those words. But um, I think, yeah, holistic health and well-being has a huge part to play in this, in this dream and in this vision and supporting people to um, regenerate their, their life force. Um, in this place as well, and, there's, and it's just such a good place to do that.
1: You have lots of projects that you're talking about, you're working in you know, the healthy kai for the Wanganui community, and people come out here in, in various stages and, or um, whatever's going on in their lives. So there's a wider footprint than just you yourselves. Mm. Well, I suppose it's a handprint. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the positive impact you're having. Have you tried mapping that do you, do you know what sort of impact it's having in, in the wider community
0: we're on now um, we're on the beginning of our impact um, sort of story collection or data collection um, road and we've actually been uh, we applied for some funding and got some funding to get support with that exact project because that is really juicy and um, you know just the kind of information that will continue to, to allow this project to um, to thrive is knowing what sort of impact making. Um, we've um, Ness and Emma have done the most amazing work on our impact model, our impact framework, and um, that has taken a lot of uh, a lot of sort of negotiating and uh, filtering down to understand what are our key impact areas. And so, from those impact areas, we're able to actually understand which impacts fit into which impact area. Um, so that makes it much easier for, for storytelling and for funding and for, for us knowing that we're on the right track. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, to answer your question, we're at the, we're, it's on our mind. Um, we're about to get an advisor or a consultant, someone to come and support us with that impact collection or impact data collection, and that will inform all of our storytelling. But um, we, our impact areas are in Thriving Kai, which is the orchards in the garden, uh, flourishing waterways, which is the nursery and the pest control and the weed control and, and the eco-services that we do in the region. We've got holistic health and well-being, which I've spoken about. Uh, we've got future resilience or resilience team, which is all of our buildings and waterway, uh, our like water pipe that's under construction at the moment, and our roading and all of these things that make this that is going to make this place resilient for a long time in the future. Um, and then we've got Equitable Communities, which is um, our relationship building with um, with people of the Wanganui community and making sure that those relationships are um, full of life and bringing the best out of, out of all parties. And I'm missing one. I won't tell. <laughs> There's always one that drops off the radar. Let's um, disguise that by playing
2: some Kenyan while it's
0: on. Sean Hayes, a Rattlesnake chum- <laughs> It's one of those songs that um, it would play and play, and I'd always just find myself just like, oh, just jamming along to it until I like actually found myself doing it for like the fifth time over and being like, what is this song? I love this song, and now it's a regular playlist.
2: man what you do and what you think you can do what you are what you do looking out at ripples on the dance floor man what you mean that's what you get did you forget to know what Tick tock. he the wind lick the window. Ignited. You're invited. Growing, sprouting from the backbone dream machine. Mr. Jones, you don't know what you came for. Dream machine. Bottle snake charm on. Dance floor, dance floor floor. Charm on the dance floor the dance floor the dance floor brittlenake a charm on the dance floor the dance floor the dance floor
1: So the music worked to charm what's the last one?
0: <laughs> Empowered learners <laughs> that's what it's all about (laughs) no as you can see they're all they're all very much create this wonderful web of like a really strong foundation and what we're building this place on and they're all as necessary as each other Um, yes but important to mention them all
1: (laughs) I like how you're describing the place as a playground and a vision and a lot of hard work (laughs) Do, the, do those three things? You know, if if they if they come in sort of tandem, no, it's not tandem because there's three of them.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know. In a <gasps> tricycle, <laughs> yeah, tricycle. <laughs> if they come in tricycle, is there a sweet spot?
0: ooh yeah, they're definitely. Oh, there's so much sweetness, Sam. There really is. It's like there's so many moments of the day where there's like a big kind of, whether it's outspoken or not, there's like a yahoo feeling, you know, whether whether we're actually yahooing out into the sky or just feeling it internally. Um, and I think that happens on a daily basis. Maybe some days are a little bit more hard <laughs> than others, but um, it's it's such a nourishing place because it's challenging. Um it can be overwhelming, but then it's also grounded in place and in team and, and in, the, in the wider vision. And that kind of also allows for a lot of, I don't know, leniency or space to be able to go through whatever emotions we go through because it's a lot. And um, yeah, and it's also very much um, dedicated, hard work and we're doing it, totally doing it.
1: The theme of our show is positive but not deluded. <laughs> and then someone about a year ago convinced us that we needed to be, at least be a bit deluded. <laughs> so we changed it I to totally
0: agree
2: with that. we
1: changed it to positive with a dash of deluded do you have to be a bit deluded when you're out here and it's pouring with rain and you're really fed up totally it's all part of the fun
0: yeah it's definitely all part of the deluded fun um and then there's other times where you're kind of delirious with happiness you know and then delirious with with confusion as to like how to do it all and um yeah, it's definitely all part of the part of the mix.
1: In terms of that doing it all, it is a big vision. It is a long-term project. Do you have to like get that satisfaction from making those incremental bits? Do you have to actively stop and think, "Yep, what I've done today wasn't a huge amount, but it's that step in the right direction."
0: Yeah, for sure. We've, um, yeah, we. I think we're pretty good as a team to realise when we go through a massive work or a big project to actually stop and, you know, sit together on the farm and appreciate that, and um, that's really special. We also really take care of one another, so if someone has just worked their guts out for, for months, as, as it happens, with different contracts and things and, you know, big projects coming to completion, you know, it would be like you go for a massage you know half a day off this this week there's you know what are you doing here this is go and rest or go and be or uh, you know look after yourself do what you need to do to be able to um, feel like you can sustain be sustainable in this in this place because it's such a long-term vision we have to I mean it's one of I think maybe one of the harder parts of what we do because we We're all so earnest in our desire to sort of see this vision come to life and have it be as beautiful as as we imagine, our hearts imagine. Um, But it is so much, so much, and things take a lot of time. They take time to do in a way that feels like it has integrity in it. And so with our relationships, it's a process, and... um, and with our learning experiences and with our infrastructure and all of these things. And we've, we've had these big visions, you know, since before we came to this to, and before we really landed in place here in Long Island. And so, um, you know, and, and we've, we haven't had any money, <laughs> you know, up until a little while ago. <laughs> and we've had to do these things just so kind of from the grounds up and step by step. And that's um, very humbling and very frustrating at different times. And we, I think we really have to... Um, just pace ourselves, and we're we're better at that some days than others. But I think as a place, support one another. That was a milestone. Let us celebrate, you know, and really see those, see each other in those in those moments.
1: So I have some questions to end with, and we've not got very much time, so we're going to have to wriggle. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years?
0: Me personally, yeah. Hmm. I want to say something cheesy like being an awesome auntie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think getting through um, two big studies, so doing OP and my um, my postgraduate and professional development, and what that whole journey that that was to go through a um, a review of learning, a review of my whole life's learning, <laughs> and then coming up with a with a project proposal on what it was that I want to blow in myself and develop. That was really huge. And then to actually go through that whole process and, and, you know, where that has taken me has been huge and a huge success on many different levels. Um, And then I think sticking with and, and graduating as, you know, as a dance movement therapist, um feels like it's a great contribution that can offer this place or a unique contribution and um, fits into the dream and the vision of this place, which, you know, makes me feel nested here. And, um, and that has been a huge achievement. Um, there's so many others, but, <laughs> just, yeah, you know, moving here was a big achievement. Being part of all of the milestones that we have been part of um, in this project in the last couple of years has been pretty mind-blowing. So yeah,
1: I'll leave it. Up. <laughs> so we are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team.
0: Wow, that's cool.
1: What's your superpower? What's got you into the mansion?
0: <laughs> um, mm, my superpower, I'd say something around touch, hugs, a hand on the back, the way that I can dance with you. <laughs> Um, Yes
1: (laughs) So do you consider yourself to be an activist?
0: 100% very much an activist in in many ways Um, and I love that I understand activism to be be a whole diversity of um, activities and attitudes and so I definitely consider myself an activist
1: So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
0: <laughs> Do you know? I think one of the things is just life itself, just the the, the, the power of the sort of, like, urge of life wanting to live through me and... Um, and then there's things like flowers and clouds and sunsets and food and, and music and friends and my bicycle and being on my bicycle and swimming and, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> my family and, you know, my loves, all of those things.
1: <laughs> so what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so?
0: Okay. Um, a huge challenge and opportunity for me is starting a new dance therapy business here in Wanganui. It's called Radiance Dance Movement Therapy, and that's sort of my little seed that I'm nurturing at the moment, and it is me stepping into sort of my, my professional offering to this town and to the people here and um, developing that skill, and um, that's coming up, hot, and I'm really excited about the way that that will intertwine and interweave with the learning environment.
1: And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners?
0: Mm. Advice. I would say I pulled a card recently from one of my wisdom uh, decks and it was really perfect. It was about freedom. And the invitation in it was to really reflect on your life, to 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 understand and figure out if the way that it is that you're living is offering you, you know, freedom in terms of a space of happiness where you feel your authentic self, and that you feel like you're 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 satisfied by life, and that it's giving you what you want and what you need, and in the direction that that you, because there is a choice, I believe there's obviously constraints, but there's a choice, and so reflection on your place of of freedom
1: thank you for that thank you very much for joining me thank you very much for inviting us to this beautiful place
0: yeah thanks so much have you ever done a podcast in the dark <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much it was really fun thank you.
1: you have been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic, which is brought to you by Tipu Kanga. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Cameo Word Up. I'm Samuel Mann, coming to you today from the Waka Waka Farm on the banks of the Wanganui River. And I have been joined by Julie Crocker. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Marty Well.